Welcome to the Being Authentic Together podcast with your host, Reverend Matthew Shannon. This is episode number two of season two. It's been a while. Uh, This is the first uh, podcast episode of 2021, and we happen to be in February. And so I wish each of you a happy Black History Month or African American History Month, um, where Black History There's more to black history than prior to slavery. So I wish we would study that. But in this episode today, uh, I would like to share a conversation uh, that I had with my friend Jermaine talking about uh, the life and the legacy of Henry Hank Aaron. Uh, This has been his birthday, February 5th. Uh, The date of this recording is February 5th. He would have been 87 years old today. Uh, and so we'll talk about the legend and the uh, legacy uh, that Henry Hank Aaron left for each of us. Uh, but before I share that conversation, I would just like to uh, talk a little bit about loss. Um, and so much, we have lost so much in 2020 and here going into 2021. There's so many things happening in the world with uh, the insurrection at the Capitol, with just so many things And I know it's pretty hard to live right now. Um, It's pretty hard. And some of us have taken loss after loss after loss. Uh, We've experienced the losses of so many people. Uh, We've experienced the losses of of, of going to church in a a, um, physical setting. We've lost our routines. We've lost our way of doing things. Um, We've lost going places and visiting places without certain restrictions uh, and so I just want to spend a moment and a, a moment talking about how loss can impact our authenticity, how loss can influence our authenticity. When we lose someone, when we lose something, when we lose um, a job or whatever the loss may be, it can have an effect on our authenticity. It can have an effect on us being real. And sometimes our real self is can become lost when we lose stuff or when we lose people. And so we look at a scripture, and it's not really a scripture, it's really a story in a scripture. Um, The book of Job tells about a man named Job. And Job, uh, at the beginning of that book, lost his children, lost some of his material possessions, lost his health and it really put a strain on his mental health his mental well-being really put a strain on his relationships because one in his wife was telling him to curse god and die the other three friends were really not helping him much either putting negative stuff in his brain and putting negative stuff in his spirit and so job really had a tough time with this loss and I encourage you to read the book of Job because it really talks about how he handled uh, loss but one thing that I found out about loss is that after the season of loss is over there is gain to be had there is gain to be had there is receiving to be had there is a place of a season of replenishment to be had. 
If you look all throughout the text in the Bible, if you find something or someone that lost something, you will always most nearly find when God replenished it, when God restored it, when God started over again. You look at Noah. Noah lived in a time where where a lot of people were sinning. A lot of people were falling short to the glory of God, and God didn't like that. And so God judged the world then with a flood. And so the whole civilization lost a lot. That's why they had the ark and they preserved two of each animal, two of each uh, thing so that they could restart again, so that they could replenish what had been lost. And so I want to encourage somebody today, and I know loss impacts your authenticity. Loss can make you become something who you are not. And we need to be aware of that. We need to figure out what losses really impact our core being, what losses impact what God has created us to be. And so I want to encourage somebody today to let you know that when loss comes, a season of replenishment is always around the corner, is always coming soon. Now, if you've lost a person, I can't tell you, well, I can certainly tell you, that person will, if, if they died, they, they will never come back again. Um, you will never see them physically again. But God can heal your wounded heart. God can heal your mended heart. God can bring new people into your life. Not to say that they would be a replacement. No. But they can help heal the wound. They can help heal the brokenness that's inside. We've experienced a lot of loss. And it has impacted on us being real. Some of us want to be fake. Some of us want to hide behind a closet. Some of us want to hide behind a mask. Some of us, a spiritual mask, that is. Some of us want to hide behind our hurt. We need to acknowledge that we have lost something. We have lost someone. And when you lose that, when you, when you acknowledge that, then you can start to pick up the broken pieces so God can put them back together again. And so I'm praying a spirit of gain over your life. I'm praying a spirit of receiving over your life. I'm praying that you would realize what you have lost and how it has impacted your life, how it has impacted your routine, how it has impacted who you are. When we lose people, we lose a part of us. We lose a part of our heart. We lose a part of our spirit. We lose a part of our fiber of our being. But I want to encourage you today, inspire you today, that weeping may endure for a night, but joy, joy is coming in the morning. Joy is coming in the morning. I was watching an episode of uh, Mr. Iglesias on Netflix, season three, part two of Mr. Iglesias. And one of the things that I got out of that that particular episode was a quote, and this quote was, I deserve good things. I deserve good things. So many of us don't realize that we deserve good things. We deserve great things in our lives. 
even though we've fallen short. But we seek forgiveness, we seek repentance, we seek mercy. I believe that we can still receive good things. In this season of loss, I want us to think about how, just how we can get back to the place of us being us, of joy, of peace, of patience, of kindness, of generosity. Because loss can really rob you of those things. Loss can make you say, I'm never going to give my heart away ever again. I'm going to lock it up forever. Loss will make you say, uh, because I lost something, I can't be patient. I have to rush to my next destination. But I want you to tell loss that loss will not have the victory over your life. Loss will not have the victory over your life because you deserve good things. You deserve great things. Get out a vision for it. Write the vision down. Write the dream down. Write the vision down. Write what you expect down. Write your standards down. Write what your new life, what you want your new life to be after this, after loss. Write it down. Put it on paper. Because you deserve good things. Just like Job. Job was a faithful man. Job was faithful to God. Even though he went through a period of loss. Because of his faithfulness. If you speed to the end of Job. You'll find out that God blessed him with double than what he had before. God replenished everything he lost. And then added more than what he had. You deserve good things. Just speak it into existence. Talk in the morning. Every single morning, tell yourself, you deserve good things. You deserve not only good things, but great things. Because you serve a great God. We serve a great God. And we deserve good things. So I wanted to give you that encouragement uh, in this episode. How loss impacts our authenticity and how we need to be aware because that loss, that loss, even though it hurts, that loss, even though you have to change, even though you have to adjust, that loss can really mess up who you are. That loss can make you into a fake individual can really stop you from being authentic don't allow loss to not allow you to be who you are if you lost some of your loved one if you lost somebody special to you please please be who God created you to be not who you want to be but who God created you to be loss doesn't prevent you from doing that well at this time, I want to share a conversation that I had with uh, my friend uh, Jermaine. He is uh, a historian by nature. Uh, he also is a baseball fan. I met him in my days at Bethel AME Church in Hampton, uh, Virginia. And uh, he is uh, someone that I thought uh, would be great for us to listen to. We lost a legend in Henry Hank Aaron. Uh, he was a uh, quiet giant uh, in the realm of baseball. 
And not only was he great on the field, uh, being the home run record keeper for years, um, but he was a great person off the field. I spent some time in Atlanta, uh, three years in Atlanta, and um, I knew that he made up the fabric of Atlanta, at least Atlanta sports. Um, and so I want to uh, share this conversation that I had uh, with uh, Jermaine on the life and legacy of Henry Aaron and what we can do uh, to share his impact to other uh, generations. I hope that you'll enjoy that conversation. And happy birthday, Henry Hank Aaron. We miss you. Good afternoon, everyone. And I am joined with my friend, Jermaine Favor, uh, who is excellent fan of baseball and a fan of history as well. And so I've decided to have a conversation with Jermaine for in remembrance of the life and the legacy, uh, the rich legacy of Henry Hank Aaron, who we lost on January the the 22nd. Thank you for joining us on the Being Authentic Together podcast, Jermaine. So if you can share your reflections about uh, Henry Aaron. Okay, well, you know, being a, a not-so-young 40-year-old, most of what I what I what I can say I've seen about uh about Henry Aaron was from videos online, classic sports, and you know, things I've heard from the older generation talking about. So one of the things I will say is you know, I play a lot of softball. I I ever had a degree, I play a lot of softball and I chose my softball number forty four based on uh, Henry Aaron with the fact that I thought I was this great home run hitter like he was. That's another story that it didn't kind of turn out that way. I had my share, but I wasn't wasn't as good as he was. Um, but I would say it's basically looking at his consistency. You know, baseball is all about stats. So when you look at his numbers, he was consistent over the years. He never he led the league in home runs and RBIs four times, but yet he was always up there in the you know over 100 RBIs a year over 25 30 home runs a year so he was consistent he you know he only he only was in the league four times but he was always up in the top so it was a model of consistency that was one thing that I really I, that really jumped out with with me because you know a lot of we see a lot of ball players now they're always you know always going for number 1 which of course we all want to go for number one. That's a, you know that's a competitive sport part in, in us. But it's either feast or famine. They either hitting a lot or they hitting none. And Henry hit consistently over his twenty three seasons. I, yes, I I remember Henry Aaron saying that one time he struck out and he went to the dugout so upset with himself uh, because he struck out. And I think there was one particular pitcher, um, I think it was Don Drysdale, who kept getting him out. And he was mm -hmm. just mad that Drysdale kept getting him out, that he went to the bench and he, I don't know what he did, 
But the next time he came up to the plate, he 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 just hit. He started hitting against him. One of the things that was uh, great about Henry as the ball player uh, was that he he always strived to get the runner home from third base. And I see that missing in today's game, um, just as you've uh, mentioned. Well, you know, that's, that's, it's interesting you say that because when you look, you know, we, when, it comes, when it comes to him, everyone talks about the home run record. That's what everyone talks about. And like the commercial in the 90s, late 90s, early 2000s, hey, chicks dig the long ball. The long ball is what brought people back after the strike in 94. So everyone likes the long ball, but we, over, we overlook the fact that Aaron actually is the all-time leader in RBIs. As of right now, Albert Pujols is about 197 behind him. So depending on how, how much longer Albert Pujols plays and his production level, that record might fall also. But as of today, the recording today, the record still stands at 2,297 RBIs. So you can see with that, that supports what you just said, the whole idea of he wanted to get the runner home. And he, he got the runner home. And he got it by more ways than just home runs. And, and that terrific stat line that everybody's mentioned um, with Aaron having over 3,000 hits, you take away his home runs and he still have over 3,000 hits, has more hits than Wade Boggs. It was... Yeah. He's actually, he's actually number three. Mm-hmm. And all baseball mm-hmm. fans know who's number two and number one. I was talking about consistency. You mentioned about how he was consistent. And you also talked about how we don't see enough of that in uh, baseball today. And so how, how can the next generation of ball players uh, be more consistent? And I guess you can include softball as well. How, how can they practice a model of consistency? Well, I think one of the ways they can do that is by actually working on being a situational hitter. And I can, and I know some people take that as far as basically meaning spraying the ball. That's my interpretation of people like, well, you got to learn how to spray the ball around. My interpretation of being a situational hitter is knowing what is called, you know, knowing what's called for, what the what the moment calls for. So if you have, if you know, if you if you need, if it's tie ball game and you need that runner from third to come home, and you know your wheelhouse is that inner third, and that pitcher is going away and away, then. Don't look to pull the ball. Don't look to hit the home run. Just look to get the ball past first base, past second base. Because most of the time, when you're throwing outside, you're going to go ahead and you're going to hit the ball towards right field. So do that. 
Now, if the pitcher messes up and throw one in your wheelhouse, then you need to get a turn on it. But that's what I that's what that's what I will say. I will say just learn learn how to go with the pitch. That's that's my best recommendation for any young player. Because you know, like like I said earlier, everyone wants to home run, and there's a there's not a long a, a big emphasis on the strikeout. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's nothing to see somebody strike out. You know, a lot in a season now. No one's worried about it as long as you as long as you're hitting 45 home runs. And driving in a hundred runs, you can strike out as many times as you want. But if you if you don't do if you cut down your strikeout, you get hard to be a harder batter to get out. And I think that's one of the things that Aaron was. He was a hard bat to get out. You know, yeah, he had his home runs, yeah, he had his RBIs. But when you look at his batting averages, I mean, there's years where he was consistently hitting over three hundred. Wild hitting forty something home runs. I think it was in '63 where he hit forty four home runs, one hundred thirty RBIs, and had a you know three nineteen batting average. You're not really going to do mm-hmm. that now. Now you might see that in like a two fifty or two sixty batting average, and that person might win the MVP. Yep. And speaking of MVPs, Henry Aaron only got one, which is. <laughs> a travesty. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and one of the things about Henry Aaron is that he started his career in the Negro Leagues. Uh, he tells of a story uh, with his mother um, that he he left one day on a tr- on a train uh, with uh, a sandwich and. I think it was a dollar and 80 cents in his pocket and he went to go play for the Indianapolis Clowns and uh, which is a Negro Leagues organization uh, and so can you s- spend some time talking about the Negro Leagues and and their impact uh, related to uh, Major League Baseball we we know Major League Baseball recognize their stats to be official, um, but we haven't seen that yet. So right. if you can talk, spend some time talking about the Negro Leagues. One, one of the things that Henry Aaron said was most of his friends, most of his buddies were gone. Uh, they, they died before him and he didn't have anyone left and so there's a Negro League Museum in Kansas City um, and how, how how will future generations keep this Negro League history uh, alive so as African Americans we actually come from a tradition that originated in Africa and it kept up here even though some of us might not realize it, but that his, that tradition of the griot, where we're passing story down from generation to generation to generation. And that'd be the first thing I say. I put the ownership on the older generations because, you know, yeah, it's that World War II generation. Those are the ones who were probably born around the late 
the early to mid 1920s. Those that are still around, they more than likely they saw a lot of these Negro leaders play. So they need to continue to tell the story as long as they live of what they saw, who they saw, how they saw them play. That's the first thing. Second thing is that younger generations need to listen and absorb as much as we can. Once beyond that, actually reading some of the newspapers like the Pittsburgh Courier, Chicago Defender, they actually mention and have the box scores of these games. And a lot of that is being put online. I will say that there's a, there's a, I think it's ProQuest is, is transcribed, not really transcribed, but they're putting the images of the different papers online. And then, too, just getting out to the museums. You know, we we need to be able to have a place that will showcase for those who might not want to read the newspapers or those who might have, you know, their older generations might not, you know, might not still be with us or whatnot. They can go to the museum. They can look at it. They can hear stories from other people from some of the historians, that's, and that's another thing. We need more African-American historians, mm-hmm. those who actually want to, you know, read and research baseball, and, and particularly black baseball. So there's a lot on the major leagues, the various minor leagues, but, and that stuff is, you know, that's good, that's great. It has its way. But we need to actually have someone have more black historians that actually want to take up the mantle and continue to carry the torch of the Negro League into the 21st century and beyond. And just to follow that, do you think that Major League Baseball and I would even include the Braves, mm-hmm. Milwaukee, formerly Milwaukee Braves, um, and Atlanta Braves. Do you think they have done enough to honor the 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 legacy, to honor the life of Henry Aaron when compared? To Jackie Robinson. Hmm. Well, I think I, I think you. Well, I think there's no way to over overstate what Jackie Robinson went through. There's no way to overstate it. You know, many of us. You know, there's a lot of people going around now saying that I'm not my ancestors. For some reason, I had this idea that our ancestors were just docile and just let whatever happened, whatever happened, happen. They just didn't fight back anything like that. And they did. But in Jackie's case, he didn't. And it wasn't because he didn't want to. It was because he had to deal with Brent Ricky that he would take the high road and not fight back. There's no, there's no way you can overestimate how Jackie Robinson went through. There's no way I don't think we can honor enough of what he went through because mm-hmm. what he went through was he basically suffered in silence. 
And it wasn't the suffering of there was nothing he can do. It was more or less the suffering of seeing that the time called for him to endure so that others do not have to endure. So to me, there's no way you can either overstate it or under-celebrate what he did. Now, as far as with what comparison to Henry Aaron, I think that the Major League Baseball is doing is doing a pretty good job just because if it wasn't for Jackie, there would have been no Henry. Hmm. Or hmm. it might have been, but he might have came maybe in the mid-60s, late, you know, mid-60s, late-60s, early-70s, and by that time, you're only going to get a past the prime Henry, where because of Jackie, we had, we was able to see basically his whole career, him in his prime. Because of that, I don't think there's any way that baseball can celebrate Henry on the level of Jackie Robinson. I don't, I don't see that. Because of Jackie, Henry's, Henry's career was somewhat better. Now, we cannot say this and not state the fact that he faced his fair share of racism. You know, he did integrate the, uh, I think it was the Jack, the Southern League that he played the minor league in was in Jacksonville. So, and, but that was only for one year. And that was actually, mm-hmm. it's been about five or six years since Jackie Robertson started in the majors. So while he was there by himself, he was there by himself. There were others around that he probably could have leaned on. Now, as far as in the majors, he did. He especially faced a lot of racism as he closed in on Ruth's record, and that's been highly documented. Mm-hmm. And you know, I'm not going to I'm not going to re-talk about that at length. But if you want to. You can watch all the different documentaries. They talk about it at length and show you the examples of yep. the death threat to But that was just as he as he approached seven fourteen, where Jackie had that pretty much those first three years, and then even after the shackles were, were taken off of him by Ricky, and he was actually able to be the fiery competitive player that he actually was. Then he faced a different type of racism of mm-hmm. how this docile, this docile gentleman all of a sudden become this fiery person. We, wow, we can't, how is this possible? And again, I tell anyone, watch the <laughs> Ken Burns series. It's very, on Jack Robson, it was very good. I will say that, no, I think Major League is doing, doing just enough. You know, they have the, the Aaron Award. And they, you know, when Bonds, how you feel about Bonds, break, you know, breaking Aaron's record, how you felt, it actually was, you know, that put that back at the forefront. And there's some people who do believe that Aaron is still the king, but that's another story on steroids. And, of course, I must mention that the, the Braves on Monday um, made... At, at his memorial service, um, the Braves uh, did 
share with his mm-hmm. wife, Billy, that they have started a Hank Aaron fund uh, to uh, work on the diversity of, of, of baseball. And uh, so I, I hope they follow through. Uh, there have been some calls to change the name of the Braves uh, to the Hammers in honor of, of Hank. Um, other people want the stadium named to uh, be Hank Aaron Field at Truist Park. Um, and so I think, uh, and then there's been some people that they want to retire number 44 <laughs> in the same way that they retire uh, Jackie Robinson. But that's um, to, to each their own. Let's see, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that part because, and that's that's because what Aaron did in his career to me was something that basically just affected baseball. Now, there is an argument that once the Braves moved to Atlanta, he started kind of affecting some social issues going on because at the time he moved at the time he moved to Atlanta, the Braves moved to Atlanta, you had the modern civil rights movement was started was at its height. Mm-hmm. And then also right around the end of the year, end of the you know, the end of his time there, you know, Atlanta started doing a a, a renewal. I'm not, I cannot think right now off the top of my head when Manet Jackson was mayor. But I believe it was right around that late mid to late 70s time when Atlanta started saying that they were the city too busy to hate and kind of reforming their image. So there's an argument for that, but as far as just baseball-wise and whatnot, I don't think I don't think his number should be, should be retired throughout the league. Mm. But definitely in Atlanta. But throughout the league, mm, I, I'm a, you know, I had to hear some more arguments for that before I can say I'm definitely for it. Let's see. What was his impact on your life? Henry Aaron's impact on your life? Well, on my life, it was his impact was. Was basically, you know, as a ball player, I just always, you know, I always wanted to wear. You know, 44 thinking that, you know, hey, I'm I'm a home run hitter like like Aaron. And so I need his number, even though eh, I didn't really hit as many as he did. <laughs> but, uh, but, but definitely, you know, wearing the number as a way of honoring, honoring him and just being able to, you know, just telling everyone else, because everyone, you know, everyone's heard of Ruth, especially any, you know, any, any African-American child that watches anything with sports, everyone hear about Ruth because Ruth transcends has basically transcended sports and transcended time. But not too many people outside of baseball have heard of Henry Aaron, especially in the younger group. So I definitely try to help them know what he did and what he faced so that way he keep the story alive and just let them know that, you know, he faced this and still did well. You all can face what I have to face and still do well. Well, thank you. And uh, one of the quotes that 
Henry Aaron said was what you do with your life and how you do it is not only a reflection on you, but on your family and all of those institutions that have helped to make you who you are. And uh, Henry Aaron not only was an excellent ball player, but a great uh, person of character. Um, his work off the field was just as instrumental in his uh, success. You, there are some athletes that are great athletes, uh, but their character is <laughs> is not good. Um, or their character is lacking. And, and so for him to have both um, is just uh, I incredible. Um, so thank you uh, for sharing with us your reflections uh, about Henry Aaron and how we can continue to keep uh, his legacy uh, alive. Thank you, uh, Jermaine. Is there any... Uh, final thoughts you would like to share? Okay, so I basically have to say that it's, I won't say I was I was surprised because, you know, you know, Henry Aaron was up in age and, you know, we've lost so many other Hall of Famers, great ball players, especially great Black baseball players, Bob Gibson, Lou Brock, and now Henry Aaron. So, you know, it wasn't surprising, but it was, it, you know, it was kind of sad just because, you know, it's, these were these were greats. These are the men that we, that, you know, we're standing on their shoulders, and it's up to us to continue to move, to move not only the game forward, but also stand up for the different social social justice things they stood for, issues they stood for, doing the community work to let people know that, you know, yes, it is baseball, but it, we do more than just play baseball. We actually care about our community, care about the next generations, and making sure that the game stays alive in the African-American community. So those are my last thoughts, and I I know he's not the, he's not the last because – I think Willie, yeah, Willie Mays is still alive. I think Willie Mays is actually a little bit older than him. Yeah, yeah Willie Mays is uh, 90 years old. He's one of the last. Uh, and then you have some others, but they're not as great you have billy russell um there there are some guys left uh you know that were teammates of his maybe ralph gar um there but as far as hall of fame talents we're it's getting uh that generation is getting kind of uh thin um, especially on the African American side, it's it's getting thin. So yes, indeed, I agree. Yeah. So 
But uh, thank thank you once again for uh, joining us on the uh, Being Authentic Together podcast and uh, sharing your thoughts on Henry Aaron and his life, his legacy and his his impact and how we must share uh, his story uh, to uh, our current young people as well as uh, future generations to come. So thank you. Thank you again. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I hope you enjoyed our conversation uh, today about Henry Hank Aaron, and I hope that you will share his story, among other stories, uh, in Major League Baseball this uh, Black History Month, and I hope that you learned something uh, from today. Remember, loss doesn't make you who you are. What God provides, what God creates, What God shares with you uh, makes you who you are. And I want to remind you, you deserve great things. You deserve great things. Sometimes we can't get to the great thing without accountability. First comes accountability, then great things. So... Don't let loss stop you from being who you are. Remember, God has a plan. God has a purpose for everything underneath this sun. God has a reason. God, we may not understand that reason. We may not understand why things happen, why we lose things, the way we lose things. We may not understand why. may not understand why now. Don't let loss define who you are. Let it catapult you. Let it be a stepping stone. Let it be a a springboard for your next chapter. Don't you succumb to the loss. Well, take care. Hopefully we'll see you next time on the Being Authentic Together podcast.